Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. What happen if you say what you want to say? That's what we're going to do today, ladies. We're going to let the words fall out because today we're talking about one of my favorite topics, anything controversial. I don't know why I'm wired that way. Um, We are going to talk about open borders and the impact on our schools. My name is Shugbury, him for her radio, and this is the greatest show there is. Why? Because we touch on topics that a lot of people are, A, afraid to touch or they don't want to touch or they're out of the know in wanting to talk about these topics. Today, I had the privilege of interviewing Michelle Malkin, and you're going to be listening to that pre-taped show coming up. But what I want you to know is that her opinion is one that we need to listen to as mothers. What is the open borders, and what does it mean as it impacts our schools? We talked about Google as well, how Google impacts our schools. So as you listen to this, doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on politically, I want you to just listen to the content and listen to some of the advice advice and wisdom that she shared with us. Well, who is Michelle Malkin? Well, she's a wife, a mother, an American conservative blogger, a syndicated columnist, a political commentator, and a number one New York Times bestselling author. She has authored seven books, and she is also the founder of a conservative internet startup called Hot Air. If you haven't heard about it, go to it. It's very interesting, as well as twitchy.com. They both have been purchased and bought by a major media company called Salem. Michelle is best known for her appearances on Fox News, MSNBC, C-SPAN, and national radio programs. She lives with her husband and son in the Colorado Springs area. Listen in to my interview with Michelle Malkin. We have Michelle Malkin on with us. And I had listened to her here in Minnesota as she came and spoke about Open Borders and her book, Open Borders, Inc., Who's Funding America's Destruction. And she had a comment that she made midway through the event that really struck my heart. She said, if I could bend the ear of the suburbanite women and share with them the impact Open Borders is having on our schools. Well, ladies, you know, we come from all different areas, both sides of the aisle. We're Christians, non-Christians. We're from all over the United States. And I can't wait to hear the wisdom that Michelle wants to impart on us today. Welcome, Michelle, and please share with us about Open Borders and how that's impacting our schools. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I've been spreading the message about Open Borders, Inc., my seventh book, since uh, early September. And as I've traveled all across the country, particularly targeting what are known as sanctuary jurisdictions, in other words, jurisdictions that have been proclaimed by far-left progressive forces that do not support the sovereignty of this country, a safe space for lawbreakers. What I've heard, especially from moms, 
is that their school districts are being impacted, that their children are not only feeling the consequences of mass uncontrolled immigration in their own classrooms, but that shockingly they are being propagandized and brainwashed in an ideology that doesn't serve anybody well. And I have an entire chapter on um, an organization that is responsible for disseminating a lot of this propaganda. The name of the organization is the Southern Poverty Law Center. And they originally had a noble mission of combating what they saw as uh, white supremacist terrorist forces. And back in the 50s and the 60s, they were known for uh, calling out and blowing the whistle on legitimately um, described hate groups. But what they've done since then is broaden that definition of what a hate group is to target uh, any number of their political opponents, and that includes many mainstream conservative Christian groups, many women who are at the forefront of advocating for our sovereignty, the safety of our children, uh, religious liberty, many women who've been outspoken about the threat of radical Islam and Sharia law. And, of course, in Minnesota, you've seen the spread of that. Mm -hmm. And the SPLC has also targeted people like me, a, a woman, quote-unquote, of color, who happens to be conservative, who's been very outspoken about our immigration anarchy. And even I have been labeled, Shug, uh, a white supremacist, doesn't matter that my parents came here legally from the Philippines. I've been labeled an anti-Semite by this group, even though I'm married to the grandson of Ukrainian Jews who escaped the pogroms. Um, and uh, what's happening is that the SPLC has actually been successful in disseminating uh, to hundreds of thousands of educators across the country a curriculum that is labeled very innocently teaching tolerance but in fact is brainwashing children uh, to hate their country. Now, how can that be? Well, how can that be? I, I think that uh, part of it is the hijacking and the perversion of a group like the SPLC for partisan political ends. And as I mentioned, it started out with a noble goal and intention, but even some of the founders and uh, the top leaders, including Mark Potok and Morris Dees, the founder, have bragged openly, and you can find it online, you can find it in Open Borders, Inc., with the citations, um, that their groups are no longer about combating, quote-unquote, hate, but about destroying, and they use that word specifically, Shug, destroying their political enemies. They make no bones about it. And they've gotten a lot of help and enabling from mainstream, so-called mainstream institutions, including the open border sympathizers in the media and many left-wingers, unfortunately, in the public education system. Remember that we're talking about uh, public uh, education and government schools, which are run largely by public employee unions that operate as satellites for the Democrat Party. Uh, and if you look at the reading lists, the recommended reading lists of these groups, what's at the top of the list? Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. So when you take that aspect of who's in charge of our classrooms 
and then you marry it to this open borders agenda, which has been amplified and escalated uh, under the Trump administration. Really, these people see themselves as self-anointed leaders of the anti-Trump resistance, and they're going to use your child's minds uh, and their time in the classroom to try and turn our families against our own values and against our country. You know, it almost seems far-fetched. I mean, I I really have a hard time wrapping my head around this. I was um, reading your book, and I do encourage people to pick it up, Open Borders, Inc., Who's Funding America's Destruction. It opened my eyes in a new way to things that I don't even notice or look at on a normal day-to-day basis. Now, Michelle, you are in the trenches. You are there every day. This is impacting our education system. When I went on and researched a little bit more about you, I read um, and heard as well about how Google is impacting our schools as well. Is Google somehow tied in with any of the open borders that we're hearing about today? Absolutely. And I am so appreciative for the opportunity to warn moms, to warn parents and families about the infiltration of Google into our schools. They are data mining millions of students on a daily basis. They're making gobs of money off of it. They're invading our privacy without our consent. And, of course, many of these Google leaders are not only militantly anti-Trump, they've explicitly said that their agenda from now until Election Day is to deny the re-election of President Trump. Uh, But this is a company that does business with the tyrants in China that has whitewashed and uh, coddled uh, many radical Islamic forces. They're allowed to to be on Google, whereas uh, many conservatives, including myself, have been blacklisted by Google. This is not some sort of conspiracy theory. A good friend of mine, James O'Keefe, who runs the incredible investigative uh, organization Project Veritas, has people on tape, has the documents showing that conservatives have been targeted by Google algorithms. And the overlap with Open Borders, Inc., which I document in uh, the book extensively, is that Google is out to squelch the free speech of anybody who speaks up on behalf of American sovereignty and among many ordinary citizens who use social media to disseminate information. They are rigging the game when it comes to the search engines. Uh, And then what are they doing? They're they're collecting all of this data, and they're going to use it against us. Again, it sounds so far-fetched. It sounds black black helicopter. It sounds conspiracy. Territorial, but everything is documented in the book. And since the book came out more almost two months ago, there hasn't been a single refutation of a single fact or citation in Open Borders, Inc. And I have used my own social media platforms to try and warn about this. You know, I'm somebody who was at the forefront of using social media um, before there uh, was even Google, before there was even YouTube. And I understood how uh, positively disruptive the use of this technology could be to upend all of the monopolies, whether it was on information, the old mainstream media, um, or, of course, in the political sphere. Because you look at President Trump himself um, and how he was able to surmount these insurmountable forces of Hollywood, of the media, of the Beltway political establishment. And so you see, even with Google, with Facebook, and and with Twitter, they're going after President Trump himself. And so whether you have a blue verified check mark and are a celebrity or a known figure or an elected um, political 
figure or whether you're just, you know, some ordinary average citizen in flyover country, you have to know that we're all being targeted. You know, you make some good points there, but I don't think it really just depends on what side of the aisle we're sitting on. I understand and hear what you're saying, but as moms, as mothers with families, we need to listen to this and understand, okay, we do have to understand how we got to this point, but my big question today is we're here. It's happening. As Christians, what can we do today to unite as American state citizens and stop the injustice that's happening and begin to bring unity to our country? What would your yeah. suggestions be? Well, I, I, I have always believed that sunlight is the best disinfectant, and I absolutely hear you about mm-hmm. the fact that it's not just one side of the aisle. And in fact, uh, many of the issues that I write about, that I report on, uh, whether it's for my books, my blog posts, my syndicated newspaper column, the investigative show that I do that is now running on Newsmax, all of that, um, you know, you find people who have common interests, shared interests. And the one most, I think, important common interest that, uh, that Christians share, that families share, that moms share, is in protecting our families. Mm-hmm. And we have to think about it in two ways. Of course, our own individual families and what we need to know, who's funding um, the efforts and campaign to go after our family privacy, for example, or family autonomy on any number of issues, um, whether it's where we go to church, where we send our, our kids, how we educate them, whether we homeschool them, put them in private schools, religious schools, what have you. Um, but we also think, have to think about our larger family, and that is my appeal to moms across the political spectrum. It is so important for a country to be able to defend its sovereignty, to have control over its borders, to have a right of self-determination about who gets in, how many are let in what traits they bring, and when we find people who don't belong here, what our government needs to do to be able to deport them and remove them for our country for our own public safety, our national sovereignty, our economic security. Amen. And what suggestions do you have for our listeners that they can take action within their own states? So, you know, all politics is local, all policy is local, and it's incredibly important that people get engaged at the local level, understand who is running for city council, who is running for school board, um, what their intentions are, who's funding them. And there are are a lot of open sources where you can find this information. There are a lot of campaign donation sites, for example. Um, There are a lot of charity navigator sites um, where you can find out whether the charities that you you are uh, uh, donating to are actually doing what they say they're doing or whether there's some sort of hidden agenda. Obviously, for my own self-serving reasons, I urge people to follow me on Twitter and follow my own accounts, follow my columns, uh, read my books. But, you know, whether it's my books or somebody else's, I think that it's so important for parents to take control of their own lives and their own information. And I think that, you know, I think that questioning authority has always been a mantra on the opposite side of the aisle from where I sit, but it's definitely something I embrace. You know, Michelle, your whole life pretty much has been spent um, standing up for our country and for our rights. Um, Do you mind if I just, we have a few minutes left. Could I just ask you, please, how did you first get involved in this and what fires you up and keeps you going? 
Yes. Well, I've always loved writing. I've always loved the written language. That comes from my mom, who was a public school teacher. Um, from my father, I think, a sense of public service. He was a neonatologist. He headed the NICU unit at the Atlantic City Medical Center in South Jersey. And I think that um, my fuel, my passion for doing what I do comes from my own parents' daily reminder of what a privilege it is uh, to be a citizen of America, to grow up in this country, and to be be able to exercise my First Amendment rights for a living and to be able to put food on the table. I mean, that is just such a miracle, and I don't ever take it for granted. I think also that my experience in, in college where I had to learn up to stand up for myself, I wasn't always a natural public speaker. I wasn't always this confrontational, believe it or not. Um, but over the last 25 years, I've been so blessed. And I think uh, as a result of my parents' own spiritual faith as well as you know faith in the individual and uh, faith in this country, um, it's really sustained me. And then, of course, having my own children fuels my fire uh, to try and preserve the blessings that were bestowed upon me so that they'll be able to enjoy and build upon it themselves. In your book, you state that you fear for your country and you fear for our freedom to speak up for it. And as I read your book and as I learned more, I can't believe this is happening in America. We live in the land of the free. This country has been uh, created for freedom of speech, um, and, and, and we glorify God in and through that. What are the last words that you have for our listeners as encouragement and advice as we move forward? Well, you know, it, of course, so much of what I, I do on a, on a daily basis is about these sort of worldly, secular matters of, of public policy and politics. But, you know, every day I wake up and I, I know that I can do everything through Christ He gives me strength, Mm -hmm. and I think that uh, for families that are facing, you know, any number of of situations of adversity, you look at this country, you wonder where it's going, I think that's where we derive our our ultimate source of strength from, and um, and I I never, although I fear for my country, as I said in the preface to the book, uh, ultimately I, I, I have hope. I mean, I, and I think that's the, the message that I want to impart to your audience. Amen. Have hope. There hope. is hope. There is yeah. hope. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I know you have a crazy busy schedule. How can we be praying for you for any upcoming events? Oh, uh, just keep me in your prayers. I absolutely believe in the power of it and pray for our country. I will. I will. God bless America. Thank you so much for coming on, and I hope that you come back again and give us an update as to what's happening in our country. I will. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michelle. Ladies, I'm so thankful that you took time to listen to this interview that I had with Michelle Malkin. I have learned a lot from her book, but as well, I want to keep an open mind and really look to the book of the Bible. What is the Bible saying about these topics? What does the Bible say about open borders? What does the Bible say about loving your neighbor? And in our climate of political correctness, Christians often face a moral dilemma. You know, that tension, ladies. And one of them is the issue of immigration. What should be the Christian's response to people who want a better life and to try to come to America? Should we close the borders or should we welcome them into our country? Uh, John is with me here today. John Berg, thank you, John, for joining me. Always a good time, Should You know, he was producing this as well when we were on with Michelle. And I just want to share a couple of things. And then I'd like to 
to maybe banter John with you back Let's and do it. forth on my thoughts about how this interview went. Um, ladies, as Christians, we ought to desire safety and welfare for all people. We need to get the love thing right. You guys have heard me say that before. We need to be compassionate. Uh, the Bible talks about compassion in Colossians. Love our neighbors. Um, Deuteronomy talks about our aliens in our land. But what we have to ask ourselves is how do we do these things and also be making sure we don't overburden our nation? We should seek, seek ways to find out how we can help people to make their lives better. But how far do we take this? Do we just open our borders and let everybody come in, John, whoever wants to? Or do we require that immigrants obey our laws and enter our country? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I like how you put that. I do think we have to. I think, uh, I think we have to require people to respect our laws. We are a nation of laws. And uh, it's part of protecting the citizens. The citizens here that pay for our taxes and, and live in this nation have a right to feel safe from outside threats. But at the same time, you're right, there's a balance that must be struck because we're told uh, uh, people of the faith, Christians, and even other faiths are told to be compassionate, to be uh, to, to greet people with open arms. I think there is a balance to strike, Shug. Um, and there's a lot of probably reasonable dis- uh, people who will disagree, reasonable people who will disagree on how that balance is to be best struck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle clearly comes from a, from a feisty perspective. <laughs> Um, she's very concerned about the safety of our country, and she sees that as the first and the, the foremost most important thing. And on that, I do agree with her. Mm-hmm. I absolutely do. You know, our government is in place by God. And, John, that's the thing that just irks me. When people criticize, it doesn't matter who the president is, whether it be Obama or Trump or past presidents. In Romans 13, it tells us every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except for God, and those authorities which exist are established by God. So the fact that Trump is our president today means as Christians, we need to be praying for him, for his wisdom, for his guidance. And open borders is a hot topic today. And as women, we have to take a look at this as well as it impacts our schools. Now, John, how do you think it might be impacting our schools on top of what Michelle had already shared? Well, a number of ways, the funding. I mean, can you imagine living close to the border? Mm-hmm. And with uh, the numbers that we've had over the last couple of years of people coming across, there's just no way that does not tax the local resources of those cities, those towns, those municipalities, uh, especially the closer you get to the border. So I, I can't imagine trying to, to, to budget my school year uh, if I'm a, a principal or if I'm uh, working as part of the city. How do I mm-hmm. budget for that when I don't know? I might have 150 more kids than I actually thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not the kid's fault. Uh, there's obviously resources that this is taxing on. Uh, in addition to that, she talked a lot about the funding and the kind of the kind of materials that are now making their ways into schools mm-hmm. because there are people who are on one side or the other of this issue. She mentioned Saul Alinsky and how they're submitting things like rules for radicals for kids to read. That's a frightening idea. That's a book I wouldn't give a, a 50-year-old adult. It's, mm. it's, uh, Saul Alinsky was an agitator, a secular agitator. And there's not really much good to say about him. The idea that they'd give that to kids really concerns me. And I, under, you, you, kids should be taught compassion. They should also be taught wisdom. I think there's a balance between compassion and wisdom. And I think uh, both sides kind of pull in, in, in the opposite direction. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's lost. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we, we just that tension is at us at all times because we want to help those that don't have, that might be in extreme emergencies, that might, you know, have uh, hurricanes and such, and things that we want to walk alongside them. But then also there's the issue of those 
who want to allow extremists, Muslim terrorists, to enter our country and lay in wait until it's time to strike. Now, we did a show on how to reach out to Muslim women in the United States. You guys, I am not being prejudiced in one way or the other. What I'm stating in a simple way is that we need to trust in God, trust in the leaders he's put into place, but then also take action on our own, as Michelle had shared. We need to pray for our country. So, John, I've got an illustration for you. Tell me if mm-hmm. this works or not. All right. Imagine that you have a house, you've got two spare bedrooms, your refrigerator is full of food, and your budget is tight. You can pay your bills. However, you let a small family from another country add to your household who lives in one of your spare rooms. They don't speak your language. They eat your food. They use your bathrooms. They produce trash. And they gradually learn English. They tell you that they want to bring more people into your home. What do you do, John? How long do you support them before your own economic resources are depleted and the stress and the strain upon your own home becomes unbearable? I feel that's the way we are in America. I think you're right, Shug. And I think the moment they're able to articulate they'd like to bring more people in, I think that's when you have a conversation about how this is going to work going forward. Mm-hmm. And you come up with a plan that works for everybody and that's, that's uniform. It's, it's not total chaos, which, yeah. which isn't good for – it's not even good for the places these people are coming from. It's not that we don't want immigrants. It's just that no. we want it to be done in a legal way. In a legal and, in a, and also in a way that is beneficial to this country. We, mm-hmm. I mean, we have the right as Americans to, to, to think that our, our immigration process should also benefit us. Yeah. And it can because mm-hmm. there's great immigrants out there. I've got a number of them in my family. You know, John, I wish we had more time, but we, we should. don't. I tell you. I, you <laughs> Next know, week, should. Ladies, <laughs> ladies, I love you. I just want to bring you all angles and all perspectives. I want you to think. I want you to be thinking women. I want you to be in the know. I want you to know what's going on in our country and be prayerful. And like Michelle said, would you please pray for our country? God bless America. I love you ladies over and out.